One of the biggest triggers for me, and has always been a big trigger for me for the longest time with doctors, is when they tell me that my case is too complex, or that I'm very complex. As if it's almost like my fault that I have Lyme disease, mouse, mass, hang on, possibly another vascular compression, possibly other things going on, you know? I feel like it's not indirect, it's not a direct blame, but it's almost like indirect. It's like, you know, you're really, really complex. And it's made it really difficult, obviously, to get treatment and care because a lot of doctors, like my Lyme doctor has no idea about vascular compressions. And it's made getting help for me very difficult because there's not just like, we don't just have like a doctor that knows everything. And because I need specialists, I need special care. And it's just, it's been really hard because it adds to that idea of feeling like a burden, like that I've talked about before. And so when someone tells me I'm a complex case, it makes me want to throw up. (laughs) And not only does it make me want to throw up, it kind of gives me this sense of like survivor's guilt, which um, is, I mean, my therapist and I have talked about PTSD and trauma that I've experienced through, you know, going through the medical system. And I definitely agree with the whole idea of survivor's guilt, um, which usually is for people who've been through extremely traumatic situations, war, stuff like that, when you survive something and other people don't. And for me, as I'm like, I'm a very complex case, but I know that there are people out there that are even more complex and haven't found doctors that to help them and haven't found treatments that work for them. Um, and I'm still in that place looking for like a really, like, I'm still in a place where some treatments work, some don't. But I have this guilt of like, you know, I, when I f- feel better and when I'm not in pain, I feel guilty. I mean, here's one of the biggest examples I can I have off the top of my head is so I on my TikTok I post a lot more stuff about my medical journey that I don't post on Instagram um I'm a lot more way more open on my TikTok even though I'm pretty open on my Instagram so if you want to follow me there sure good luck it's a shit show but um on my TikTok I posted about how my GI doctor um approved me to get um, celiac plexus box every six weeks and for mal's patients like me when we get those blocks the pain is alleviated for up to for me it's up to eight hours um, and i'm able to eat food without my tube feeds and i'm able to not throw up not feel nauseous be able to breathe um usually i have a bowel movement like i function like a relatively normal human being and it makes me feel extremely guilty though because i didn't really post it on my instagram because I know there are people who have mouths that follow me that only got the celiac plexus block once. Their doctors have balked at them getting any more. Some of them haven't even ever had one. Um, and I just feel extremely, first, I, I'm so lucky and I'm so grateful for this doctor, but I feel incredibly guilty. Like, I don't deserve this. And it makes me feel incredibly angry, first of all, this system, but I feel incredible amounts of like this is like i don't deserve this that's the best way i can put it um and i my therapist even was like you know you know you've gone through so much um like you deserve to be happy you deserve to feel better um but still i'm like there are people who are going through worse situations than me and it's very hard to to 
not focus to not focus on that and to be like just grateful that i'm alive because there's a part of me that's like well there are people who aren't and i like to think i'm a very empathetic person i'm not sure but it it hurts my heart when i see other people in pain and when i know that there are people who have the same conditions as me and that are in worse situations and it makes me just incredibly angry um and i kind of wanted to segue sorry if it cut there um my mom called me because i want to go to whole foods and it just cut off and of course i'm recording this at the most random time in the day um off the top of my head because that's how i record these podcasts um so i wanted to segue into kind of just my experiences with the hospitals that i haven't had a good experience with because i know that through my guilt um I've kind of repressed a lot of the trauma that I experienced because I kind of have been like, it's not that bad. It could have been worse. Um, And it definitely could have been worse. Um, Do not get me wrong. But I also know that a lot of people are following my journey because, or this podcast because they want to hear my experiences and I haven't really talked about them on here yet. I've I've cried. I've, I've talked about friendships. I've talked about Lyme disease. I've talked about smash but i haven't as much as i promised in my first like introduction episode i i really haven't touched on any of my experiences with the hospitals it's been like little snippets and um i kind of wanted to go into my the first ever hospital that i stayed in i'm not going to name it if you know you know that's kind of all i can say but um i don't know why i'm phlegmy i start talking and i start having phlegm but i um, so basically, let's just go. Um, so we had a house fire in 2018. My room had a big giant hole burned into it. <laughs> we had gathered all the animals out of the house, so they were safe. Um, we were totally fine. Like, we were all safe. We were okay. My kitten got to learn what it was like to be up close and personal next to our big dog, Tucker. I have a picture of him literally standing over her in the car because she was so scared and he was scared too but he would like her protector it was so cute um so anyways that was kind of our situation um my health rapidly declined afterwards not because of the fire like like anything the fire did to me it was more of the stress of moving between hotels i was having a lot of chronic pain chronic lyme symptoms and um i was still being told you know there was no help being given no treatment um i was still having a lot of gi problems so basically we my mom one morning was kind of like we're going to the hospital and i agreed with her because from what she probably will if i asked her she'd probably say that she saw the light fading from my eyes i agree i actually wasn't at my lowest weight ever um i was actually so relatively healthy but um i was mentally not well and physically um course the hospital stay did not um make me mentally better in any way um or physically really um it was it was just we didn't know what to do and of course you know the hospital never even thought of me having Lyme disease and like we talked about in the first caretaker episode is I was basically in a Lyme psychosis um so and a lot of people with pans pandas Um, and chronic Lyme disease undiagnosed can actually start developing eating disorder type symptoms and OCD type symptoms. Not actually, like, I didn't have OCD, it wasn't diagnosed. Um, I'd never 
like they of course diagnosed me with anorexia and bulimia but um i never really showed like it was atypical because i i have a, mentioned how i have arfid which is because i have the fear of eating because of the chronic pain that i experience and all the symptoms that i experience but it's not i'm not eating to like look a certain way or feel a, or whatever it's a lot to explain um but anyways i'm going way ahead of myself because the first night we went to the hospital um there was a lot of traffic because in the area that we live in i mean you i've mentioned earlier in the podcast and in if you follow my instagram you know where we live but i'm just not going to mention it here um there was a lot of traffic and we got there when this um in the evening and basically they immediately went triage on me they tested me for a bunch of things they treated me as if i had like I don't know, it's a really deadly virus. They tested me as if I had COVID-19. Um, and they had hazmat suits on, they tested my stool, they tested my blood, they tested everything. They had bundled me up that night. It was a, it was a really good first night. And we thought, they are going to help me. They are going to figure this out. And of course, the next morning we woke up and the first thing they came in to me was a calorie counting chart, my breakfast, and telling me that they were going to probably send me to child psych. Okay, so remember how I mentioned I was going to Whole Foods and my mom called me and the clip messed up? Well, <laughs> I just asked her now. I was like, well, you know, I'm not going to mention the hospital because, like, you know, I don't want to. Or, like, you know, it's probably not a good idea. And she's like, what, what did you, you want to repeat what you said to me? Bring it. <laughs> Their libel is defined or slander is defined by untrue statements made by the person. If they want to go after us and accuse us of libel or slander, they're going to have to open all of their records to our attorney to defend ourselves. And guess what they're going to find? Mm, not treating me well? Golly gee. They are being in pain all the time? The last thing, the, the most they would do is, worst case, if you got like so many millions of views, is send us a cease and desist And I'd frame it. I told you I'd frame yes. it. But if uh, they send us a cease and desist lawyer uh, letter, that opens me up to finding a medical malpractice lawyer because they're basically saying they are innocent. She's really excited about this, and I, I doubt anything so is going to happen. But um, so let's just say it now, man. It was Children's Hospital in Seattle, Washington. Let's Seattle fucking go. Seattle Children's Hospital. Woo! So I hope you enjoyed that clip. Um, <laughs> I'm inserting it right there because I feel like the story is going to start to get really, like, awful. So, you know. Yeah, it was Seattle Children's, so I'm going to say it now, because I before was like, mm, but, you know, fuck it. Um, so, yeah, they came in, and Child Sykes came in and told me, basically, I have anorexia, and I need to learn how to eat again, and I'm going to learn how to eat again, and they moved me out of, like, kind of, like, I think it was, like, the first wing where, like, they send triage and stuff. They moved me to a room with, like, it was actually a really nice room. It had a lot of big windows. There were a lot of trees. Um, you could see into the courtyard. It was actually, like, the room itself was amazing. Um, but it became, so understand, I'm still in an incredible amount of pain at this point. Eating is incredibly hard. I get major, major bloating, major, major nausea, major constipation. Um... And they weren't explaining that to us. They were just like, my body doesn't know how to eat anymore, even though I had been still eating. And even my labs showed that I wasn't going into refeeding. But they were convinced that I just need to eat. Um, so, basically, I was there for two weeks. And for the first week, they basically f brought me f six meals a day. Breakfast, snack, lunch, snack, dinner, and then a snack, I think. 
um, I wasn't allowed any sugar. I wasn't allowed any sweets. I was um, on a gluten-free, dairy-free diet. I had told them that red meat hurts my stomach, which would make sense now that I have Lyme disease. I told them that meat hurt my stomach. They told me I was going to eat it, and they would serve me steak. They would bring me chicken, and if I didn't eat it, they would... Now, at the time, I had no idea what an NJ tube was. I had no NG idea what an NG tube was. So they, um, and I quote this, they told me that if I choose not to eat, they will shove a tube down my throat. Now, in my head, I still remember the image I had in my head. I literally thought of them shoving a giant tube down my mouth. So, of course, I was terrified. And this obviously led me to just eat through the pain, through the nausea. Um, I started having <clears throat> really, when I did go to the bathroom, it was like really, really painful, horrible bowel movements that even the GI at one point was like, something's messed up in you. Um, and we began to argue, just give me a colonoscopy. We were fighting for that like prove that nothing is going on with my intestines um so we started fighting for a colonoscopy and um i don't know if you heard that that was my tube um and they were finally agreed because they were convinced they weren't going to find anything so they did a colonoscopy now i want to preface this so when you do a clean out not for <laughs> like everyone's different but usually you shouldn't need a lot of like major major laxatives um especially if you like you know, there isn't that much food in your stomach. I didn't eat basically for two days. They wouldn't let me eat for two days, um, which is fine. Like, that's kind of the prep. Like, you just do clear liquids. I was, like, on chicken broth or whatever. Um, so, let's see. I took... Oops, I just dropped you guys. I took one whole bottle of magnesium citrate, which if you've ever had to drink magnesium citrate, you know it is horrendous. Um, understand, I probably had a blockage at the time, or uh, the startings of SMAS, so just preface that. Four, um, Duluxacodal, like, like, um, Ducalax, Ducalax, like, little pills, so little orange laxatives, um, and what else? And at first, only a few cupfuls of this pineapple-flavored liquid laxative. They thought that was all I was going to need. I, it was literally the night before the colonoscopy, like late at night, like 10 p.m. I still hadn't cleared out. They had just been kept giving me cups and cups of it. I'd gone through two jugs of this laxative. Um, and I was telling them, like, I can't hold down anymore. I wish I had a picture. I didn't take any pictures. But I was so swollen. I literally looked pregnant. Like, my mom was so worried for me. They didn't care. Um, I still hadn't gone to the bathroom. Um, I still wasn't clear. Um, they were considering calling us the colonoscopy, and eventually it led to me to start vomiting all of the laxative back up, because I had literally two, like, jug, like, gallons of laxative inside of me, and basically, they got really, really mad at me, oh my god, I'm sorry if my tube is making noises, they got really, really mad at me, told me it was my fault, and basically, then put an NG tube down my nose, which at the time I had no idea what that was. So it was really scary. It was actually, that was okay. The nurses were really sweet. The night nurses were. Um, they put an NG tube down my nose and they just kept running laxative through. Um, <clears throat> so I could just go to sleep. Sorry, the phlegm is bad. Um, and I woke up in the morning and I still was kind of, like, I, I had gone to the bathroom and I finally was starting to get a little clear. But I was still having, like, chunks of things, weird oil, like, oily film, like, just all this horrible stuff. And they finally were like, you know, we'll just do the colonoscopy, it'll be okay. And of course, through all of this, you know they were blaming me. I mean, it, they were, 
These doctors dismissed me. They didn't hear me. But of course, me telling me them I'm not pooping, they were like, well, clearly you're not taking the laxative. You're not doing it right. Because that was my goal, was to not poop and to make my colonoscopy longer and harder, like the prep harder than it should have been. Yes. I clearly was like meditating and being like, please don't poop body. Um, So that was an experience having the doctors basically tell me somehow this was my fault. Um, I was also extremely hungry too. But anyways, my I also wanted to know my room had been moved. So I had been moved for some reason upstairs in the hospital. Don't know why. Da-da-da-da. I wasn't allowed to leave my room at all. Um, and I was basically on lockdown. I wasn't, I was only, if any time I needed to get up to go to the bathroom, move anything, I had to call the nurse. Um, and the room had no windows except for a really, really high one, which was interesting. Um, so anyways, I just wanted to add that because I feel like I forgot to mention that. Um, so they brought me into the colonoscopy and I have this amazing memory of waking up and it's super fucked up. Um, now understand this was one of the first times I'd ever gone under for a procedure. I think I'd only ever gone two other times at that point when I was that age, so like 14 so i remember waking up in delirious you know like when you if you've ever gone under you know like when you first wake up you're like kind of in and out like you can remember things but you you also aren't aware um and i remember hearing the nurse say oh yeah she's so pale like that because she's anorexic and doesn't eat and i remember like even in the moment being so delirious being just like what the fuck did she just say Um, That was a great first experience, one of the first experiences um, from going under, and having that happen. It was so awesome. (laughs) They, um, so they brought me back to my room, and my dad was with me, and basically when the colonoscopy results came back, they did see inflammation in my colon, um, and they told me my most favoritest thing in the whole world that you guys have heard me say is it was basically not significant enough for them to claim anything was going on. They didn't, I believe, so there's, with the colonoscopy and endoscopy, they can go higher and lower. You just have to ask. I believe they didn't go very far. Like, they didn't go, um, they could have gone further into me. That sounds really bad. Oh, God. I can't believe I said that. They could have gone further into the colonoscopy, and they didn't. But they really just didn't find that much. And they basically, this fueled their idea that it was my fault and I was faking it. Now, if you have a vascular compression, like mouse, mass, nutcracker syndrome, um, shoot, there's two others. Maytherner, they're not going, there's one more. Is it pelvic congestion? Um, They're not going to see it on a colonoscopy. And with the SMAS, they only really see it on the endoscopy if they go further down. If they, if you tell them you think you, they have SMAS or the doctor's SMAS aware. Um, so, of course, they're not going to see anything. And at that time, my Lyme hadn't affected my GI tract enough to cause now what we have. Now I have colitis um, because of it and a lot of inflammation and infection down there. So, of course, obviously, you know, duh, I'm not going to have um these things happening sorry my phone just cut out um so anyways i was like okay well can i just eat right because i hadn't eaten in basically three days and i was just super hungry and i was like well if you guys are telling me i don't eat then why like when i'm asking for food are you not letting me eat and they said they needed to figure it out and get figure out my 
diet plan thing or get me like the right dinner and i was like okay um so i ended up waiting two hours and it was like 6 p.m of day three almost of not eating and they come back and they're just like eat whatever you want go order whatever you want off the menu like call them um so one number one my parents and i agreed that this was extremely weird and it was almost like a test um like to see if i was really going to order food and eat um but i did order food i ordered um so much and i remember it because i started making it home afterwards because i was like in that state where like you know when you're like you're so hungry you'll eat like anything even if you're in pain even if it will make you feel awful um i got a gluten-free dairy-free quesadilla amazing a side of gluten-free pasta salsa marinara i also okay i do drink soy milk i know it's weird um but to me rice and soy milk is so yummy so i got some soy milk and juice and I got all of this as much as I could because I was so hungry. And they um, brought it to me and were totally giving off the air of like, oh, she's probably not going to eat it or something, you know. And I ate every last bit of it. And it was so painful. And I was so nauseous. And it was really awful. But I was just glad to be full, right? Um, and they came back about an hour later and they asked me and my dad they came in and i remember looking at my dad to this day and the look that we exchanged because we were both so confused they asked um where is the food and i was like in my stomach you want to see because i was like bloated and they were like did you throw away your food did you put your food anywhere and i was like no and then they looked to my dad and they asked him did you eat her food did you eat some of her food and he's like, no, what? Uh-huh, what? Um, and they basically had decided that if I wasn't going to be in the eating disorder class of not eating at all or not eating enough, like anorexia, then I clearly had bulimia and I was clearly, I was, I was eating, but I clearly was doing something else with it afterwards, like throwing it up or hiding the food or whatever, because they couldn't explain me just wanting to eat. I know, crazy, and being in pain because of it. So my parents signed me out AMA because they were done. My dad's was like, no way, she's out of here, I can't. Like, he was just like, what the hell? I don't even know how they... Now, I want to pause right here because I... This is where my um, survivor's guilt kind of comes in with my story, is I'm aware that there are a lot of people who aren't in the same situation with their parents that I'm in. I'm incredibly lucky and grateful to have parents with the ability and the want to want to sign me out of the hospital and want to think that there's other ways of treating me um, or helping me that isn't the hospital and I am not taking that for granted at all it is something I am extremely grateful for and it makes me angry when I see other people not having the same situation. Um, so, my PCP also agreed, <coughs> because she's known me since I was a little kid, that there's no way I had an eating disorder. And I just kept telling them I was pain, and they kept telling me I wasn't. I was extremely constipated to a point where I would I had gained up to about 10 pounds and shit. I'm not even joking. And they wouldn't even help that. They began restricting my water after the colonoscopy because I was gaining weight not just shit weight and not like poop weight I meant poop and they thought 
I was trying to drink a bunch of water to put on the water weight. Um, I wasn't, but restricting the water obviously made the constipation worse, which means I made more nauseous, more pain, and more bloating got the moment worse. And I kept telling them all of this, and they kept telling me it was because my body didn't know how to handle food anymore because I wasn't eating prior to the hospital, even though I had never stopped eating. Um, so I began to kind of turn inward. Now, remember, I was not only in a Lyme psychosis, probably, with my Lyme issues, but I probably was having early rumblings of SMAS, but all these symptoms I was being told weren't real. Not only were, and not only on top of that, like, like, when you have a mental illness, isolating them is the last thing you want to do, and that is exactly what the hospital did. The therapy dog never came, even though I asked for the dog to come. Child life, art, like the people who bring art and stuff to you never really came. And when they did, they just like were very quick and left. Um, I was left alone in my room with like the nurses every once in a while checking in. But my mom and my dad worked full time. They didn't, they couldn't just take off work, you know. And so it was just me. And, and like the difference is because in Stanford, in, in I guess I can say it, yeah. In Stanford, where I went for my NJ placement for my SMAS, I was alone too, but they had child life come in. They had, the nurses were always coming in. OT was coming in. Like, they were very interactive with me. And here, they literally just left me alone in my room. Completely alone. 14-year-old kid, terrified of her life, terrified to her life of where she is and these people, and just left alone. And... You know, it made it worse that obviously then they moved me to a room with like a very small window. So then I couldn't even see the outside world. Um, so my parents signed me out and they quote unquote broke me out of Children's Hospital. And it was basically because um, like it was not, it was fucking with my mental health more than helping at this point and my physical health. And that's kind of where my story ends because that was kind of it for me is my story my set of stories very boring it's a lot of just gaslighting and being told that my pain wasn't real which has left long-lasting trauma um but for my mom i know that they told her basically she was a shitty parent and that i ended up this way because of the way she had parented and you know my parents are divorced and they basically were like well that's their fault you know they messed up with being caretakers of me and, of course, that's incredibly diminishing to her. And there's so much that they did to her that they interrogated her. They broke her down. They, I, I think they did threat CBS at one point. So I know that there's a lot more shit that went on with her. And I would, I'm going to try to get her to write some sort of blog post. But it also left me with a lot of anxiety, like extreme anxiety around eating because they used to watch me eat, only give me 30 minutes to eat, to a point where like, they would stare at me. And I had to eat, I would be eating breakfast at 8 and like lunch at noon, and it got to a point where when I was home, that if I didn't eat lunch and breakfast around those times, like that I did in the hospital, I would have panic attacks. Because I'd be so scared that something was going to happen to me, and someone was going to shove a tube down my throat, as they had said. Um, and it was incredible, and then it was fueled by the Lyme disease and the psychosis that I was having. Like this intense anxiety, um, and I was still having nausea and pain, um, and it also left me so incredibly burnt out of doctors that I refused to see any doctors for about a year afterwards because I was so incredibly scared of the medical community and how they'd hurt me that I was like, you know what, if I never get diagnosed, I'm okay with that because of how they affected me. And it did, I would say it probably did delay my diagnosis, probably not by much, but it was still enough that it left me 
terrified. Um, and it left me traumatized because I was so scared of someone else just telling me it was my fault. Um, and it leads now to why I'm afraid of going to the ER for my GJ flipping, my NJ when it when I coughed it back up. Um, for anything bad that happens to me, I'd rather just bleed out than go to the ER. Especially because I don't trust them and I'm just incredibly scared of them. Um, it doesn't help that also then the second admission that I had, which I'll get to at some point. Basically, I was told I was going to get an NJ and get to go home. And they sprung on us, you're getting admitted, you're too young at the time to leave. And if I was too young at the time and me and my mom were both scared because they basically threatened CPS if she tried to say no, she's not getting admitted. And they trapped us there for two weeks and put me down the eating disorder path. And the best part is there is they actually did um, a vascular ultrasound for me because we tried to tell them about mouths and they didn't even do it right. They did it right after I ate. You're supposed to do it when you fasted. So I was extremely gassy and bloated. And then they told me they didn't see anything and nothing was wrong. Even though the velocities on it, as they say, nothing was shown, actually show the rumblings of smash and mouths. Like the pre, like it does actually show it. So there's a whole bunch to go on there. Um, and of course they even told me then that I had nothing wrong. So it's been hospital system after hospital system of them telling me, you know, what you're feeling is not real and what you're feeling is be your fault or because of actions that you have. And of course that has led me to have extreme anxiety around hospitals and, you know, it, but it also, the anxiety leads into the survivor's guilt because it gives me so much like, it could have been worse on them. You could have had something really, really worse happen. And I know that everyone's experience is individual, and I'm not trying to say that my experience was the worst possible experience ever, um, because I know there's such worst experiences being had every day by other people. I just wanted to share my story, um, especially because I've, you know, a lot of people have wanted to hear it. And this is only the first hospital. Like I said, the second one is a little different, but a little wackier, um, a little more interesting. Not really. Like I said, my story is very boring. It was just a lot of criticizing me as a person and my mom as a parent which isn't right they basically broke us both down mentally um and of course my dad walks in and they didn't do anything to him because i i don't know male father figure i don't know it was very weird so i don't really have much else to say i mean that was kind of what it was like for me it was very traumatic and hard and I would say I definitely, I, I eventually was able to work out of like the eating thing. And now of course I'm tube fed, so I don't really have like eating times, but it was definitely, that was definitely something that it created. Um, d if you know what orthorexia is, it can be like obsession with nutrition and health and it can lead into an eating disorder. That was what I kind of became after children's because of the, how they treated me. So they kind of gave me an eating disorder, which I think is just interesting and funny um, and my therapist has agreed that it's probably what, you know, it was because of how they conditioned me. So, yeah, that was my experience with children. And the sad part is, is there's been a couple other people that have reached out to me and been like, that was similar to my story, which is fucked. So, there you go, you guys. That was my story. Um, this is a little, I think this is a long episode. I don't know. I don't know how long this episode is. Um... It's a little quicker in the sense of like, I didn't cover, I didn't go into depth because there wasn't really any depth to talk about. So anyways, um, let's see, I'm going to finish this up. Juice I've been drinking, green tea, matcha, but not without milk. I just like matcha Americanos are great. I've been really obsessed with those. 
and I made my own fruit water. I put strawberries, pineapple, grapes, blueberries, limes, and coconut water in it. Very good fruit water. Recommend. Um, so yeah. Also, my cat really likes popcorn. Is that if your cat does that? That I same. All right. Thank you for listening, and I'm sorry for wrapping this up very quickly. Um, but I'm glad you stuck around, and hopefully I'll see you in the next episode. Okay, bye.